Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. You guys ready for the word of God? Don't you love Jesus? We're going to continue our teach us to pray series and I hope you had an opportunity to get on to the website or onto our app and follow along in the devotional. We're attempting to give you practicals each week to help you in your journey of prayer. This week if you look on the back of your bulletin you'll see a practical help for you. The alphabet of praise we'll be looking at that as we go but we don't want to just be hearers of the word we want to be doers of the word and another opportunity for you to jump in with us if you'd mark your calendars October 5th, 6th and 7th will be our corporate season of fasting and prayer. We'll end that on Friday night, October 7th with our first Friday prayer night. If you had a chance to attend our last one, it was thick with the presence of God. You don't want to miss that. So mark your calendars to jump in and fast and pray with us for God to bring breakthrough in your own life here in our spiritual family, in our city, in our nation, in this very important time of our nation's history and life and also in the nations of the world. Uh, I heard a funny story this morning before we get started. Um, if you're single in the room, I think you might appreciate this. Uh, a single man was flying on a plane and he sits down next to this beautiful woman. He quickly looks down, notices that she doesn't have a wedding ring on, thinks this might be an answer to prayer. So he gets really bold. He looks at her, he asks for her name, and then he just says, I'm going to go for it. Ma'am, what kind of men are you interested in? She looks at him, she says, well, you know, I'm very attracted to Native Americans with their bronze skin, their jet black hair. She goes, but I'm also very drawn to Jewish men uh, with their business acumen and their success financially. She goes, but you know, I can hardly resist a, a southern man with his charming drawl. She goes, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. He goes, my name is Squanto <laughs> Bernstein, but my friends call me Bubba. Oh, that has nothing to do with our sermon this morning. But I thought that was awesome. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, my friends call me Bubba. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, 
verse 9. We'll put it up on the screen. Actually, let's do this. Why don't we stand as we read this prayer together. Let's go ahead and put this up on the screen. This is the Lord's Prayer. The disciples come to Jesus and say, won't you teach us to pray, Lord? And let's start with our Father. Let's say this very loud together. This is the model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Have a seat. Last week, we covered only two words of this prayer. We covered our Father. And we said that the word our signified possession, that He belongs to us. We belong to Him. We covered the word Father. We said this spoke of position, that the place He has first and foremost in our life is our Abba and our Daddy. This week, we'll embark on six words. We're graduating to six words, and we start with the words in heaven. It actually is on the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer. But you have to understand, there's a reason I didn't address the words in heaven last week. And it was for this reason, once we throw out the words in heaven, our minds can often go to a place of mystery or an incomprehensible theme or concept. And so we wanted to lay that foundation last week that God comes to us first in a place of intimacy. Our first foundation in prayer, if you're taking notes, is intimacy. And that's why we talked about our Father alone. But then we add the words in heaven and where ours spoke of possession where Father spoke of position, when we add the words in heaven, it speaks of distinction. It speaks of distinction. Let's define distinction this morning. If you looked at what does distinction mean, it means this, a difference or contrast between similar things or people. Let's look at the second definition. Excellence that sets someone or something apart from others. He is our Father. He is our Daddy. He is our Abba. But then we add the words in heaven and we say He's far different from every other Father on earth. He's far different than any other Daddy because His home is heaven. So then we have to ask the question, what is heaven? Many times when we think of heaven, we think of puffy white clouds. We think of, well, when I was a kid, I thought of Care Bears. That's where they lived. These little gummy bears that lived up in these clouds. And have, you might think of fat cupids with little bows. That's, that's not what heaven is. And it's so important to define heaven because when we define heaven, we understand the context of our heavenly Father. You see, for centuries, people have been painting God in their own image. If you studied the Old Testament, you'd understand that the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Chaldeans, they painted God in their own image. If you looked at Greek mythology, if you looked at Roman mythology, would often see the gods painted after human tendencies. They'd be angry. They'd be violent. They'd be hedonistic. 
And so we want to look at heaven today, these glimpses of heaven that the Bible actually gives us, perhaps you haven't looked at them before, to understand who God really is. We start with Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, it says this, this is John, one of the disciples of Jesus, is having this open encounter, and he says this, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in, in heaven, and the voice I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in you're starting to get this, with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass as clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth, fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Amen. A beautiful passage of Scripture. When we look into heaven, the first thing we notice is a throne. And the Lord is seated on a throne. We're not accustomed to thrones in our American experience. But if we understood a monarchy, we would understand that all power comes from the throne. There's absolute power. What that person who reigns upon the throne decrees will always happen. And so we understand when we come to our Father first, we understand He's sitting on a throne ruling and reigning the universe. We have a ruling and reigning all-powerful Father. But then as you look on, he's not just like a human monarchy, a human sovereign. Instead, we see his appearance. Look at what it says. His appearance was of jasper and ruby. You know, if you look at me, you just see dull human flesh. You take the most beautiful person in this room, take the most beautiful person in the world, their flesh is still dull. It's full of blemishes. Not so with the Ancient of Days. As you look upon him, not even the most costly jewels compare to the glory that's radiating from him. He's not like us. He is transcendent. And then it goes on to say this, that from the throne radiates a rainbow. I just loved a couple years ago when that guy up in Northern California saw that double rainbow. 
You remember that video where he's like, oh, double rainbow, no way. He starts crying, oh, what does it mean, right? What does it mean? It means the glory of God is appearing to you. Why is he crying? Because it's the glory of God. There's a double rainbow. There's a triple, I don't know how many rainbows, but there's this rainbow emanating from the throne. The rainbow is not only a reflection of God's glory, but it's a reflection of God's promises to his beloved people. What do we see next? There are these 24 elders around the throne. It's God pulling mere mortals into his kingdom and saying, sit and rule and reign with me. I love this one minister that carries business cards. He gets in conversations. When people ask what he does, he hands them uh, his card, which is called Global Leadership. And they say, well, what do you do? He goes, I'm learning to rule and reign over the universe. See, that's a great job title for us as believers. You're in a, in, a, in a leadership training program where you're being taught to rule and reign over the universe. God's literally pulling people into this. From the throne come flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. He alone contains the, the beauty and the power of natural forces. I love watching people watch thunder and lightning storms. And they go, whoa, wow, oh. Why? Because it captivates our heart. And in one way, we're mesmerized by the beauty, but in the second way, we have this holy fear because we know in a second, if it hit us, we'd be decimated. This is the power and the glory coming from the throne in heaven. And when we step into prayer to say, our Father, then we add the words, in heaven, and we know that he's transcendent other. We know that there's a distinction about him. That is who we come before. And then another glimpse, Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this, I looked and there before me, was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne. He's still looking in heaven. He's still before the throne. He's seeing every nation, tribe, and tongue gathered before the throne and before the Lamb. They're wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they crowd out in a loud, loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. These are angels. When they behold the glory of God, wham, they fall down before the throne saying amen, praise and glory, wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever Amen. Before him is a multitude that no one can count. And one day it will be from every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue. Every people will be before. Representatives from every people will come and be before the throne. And when they behold his glory, they can't even stand up. They fall down. Their breath is taken away and they're drawn into worship. Has this ever happened to you? where you beheld something so beauty that worship just emanated from your being. Uh, years ago, it was about five years ago, 
on our 10th wedding anniversary, I decided to take staff to do something special. I kept hearing about Yosemite. And I thought that, that would be a great trip. Let's do something new. Let's go. And we were able to get a nice little cabin in Yosemite. I, to be honest, though, I didn't expect that much. I've been blessed to travel around many nations of the world, be in some really beautiful spots. We drove into the park, and I was a little let down. You know, I thought, this is just kind of another national park. There's some trees. There's some mountains. We're driving around. We wind around the serpentine road. People had told me how majestic Yosemite was. Oh, that's God's country, they had said. I was a little disappointed. And we finally come around a bend and go through this tunnel, through a mountain. I thought, oh, that's unusual. And I wasn't prepared for what I would behold when we came out of that dark tunnel. All of a sudden, we found ourselves in the Yosemite Valley, looking at the Yosemite Falls, 2,400 feet water cascading down this majestic mountain, looking up at the gargantuan half dome. And involuntarily, I just went, ooh, and, and pull over to the side and stumble out of the car, and I'm looking, and there's like countless people doing the same thing. Like, it's just going like, the, the stream of cars is just going like this, and people just stumbling out, and I'm like, Steph, wow, that's so pretty. It just came out of me. When you behold majesty, worship is pulled out of you. I want to tell you, if Worship is not coming out of you to the living God. You haven't seen him in his beauty yet. Because to see him is to be caught up in worship. And you were made to worship. You were made to exalt. It's natural. All, all humans worship. That, that, that's why we have people going crazy over sporting events. That's, that's why we have, have people uh, glorifying actors and actresses. Yesterday, I was sitting down with my, my wife. We were talking to this woman, and she was going on and on about her Maltese pug. She couldn't stop talking about and then she had to show us the picture. And I'm like, yeah, oh, small. Yeah, I didn't know what to say, you know. We're, we're made to worship. Non-religious people worship. Non-Christians worship. I, I, I remember seeing these clips years ago and being so taken by how it's innate in us as humans to worship. Let me just roll this clip for a second and just watch how it's natural for people to worship different things. Can we turn the lights off? Flip took 11 seconds off the clock. 11 seconds have resulted in incomplete. These people I mean, that's worship. their mind. This is beautiful.
That's worship right there. I, I didn't get the worshiping the Pontiac thing. That, it, it's in us as humans to worship. The question is, are we worshiping him who is truly worthy of all praise? Do we truly focus our worship on the one who deserves our praise and our affection? You know, we, we talked about you must behold his glory to worship him. How do we do that? We, we read the scriptures. We want to, to look at the scriptures that draw us into worship. H- how else can we do that? How else can we become true worshipers? You, you, another way is to put yourself in a place where true worship is happening. Congratulations, you're in church this morning. Great job. You know, it, it, if you wanted to become a surfer, you don't go down to the San Diego Bay, right? Well, you could say, but Robert, there's water there. I mean, why couldn't I go there? No, you'd go to La Jolla Shores. And you say, but Robert, there's water in the bay just like there's shores. But there's a difference. The waves, the, the strength, the power is coming into the shores where the bay is blocked off. Can I just tell you, you need to get yourself in a place where the spirit and the wave of the spirit is moving. Put yourself in a place where God is moving. Congratulations on doing that this morning, but are you consistent in showing up where the spirit of God is moving? For years, I've been chasing that wave, that wave of the spirit. And furthermore, if you wanted to learn to surf, you wouldn't go to someone from Arizona that comes surfing once a year on the whitewash in Coronado, right? You'd go to a local. You'd go to a San Diego local surfer who's out there every day, who goes into the deep water, paddles out into the big waves. That's where you're going to learn from someone who really understands. Let me ask you, who are the people you're running with? If you want to learn to be a person of worship, get around extravagant worshipers. Get around people who are passionate for God. Your heart will be warmed as you feed on their fire. You become like those you run with. Get in a place where the wave of the Spirit is coming. Get with people. That's why it's so important to be consistent. I'm I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but that's why it's important to consistently join with your spiritual family on Sundays so you ride that wave and to run with people in life group and in discipleship who are hungry for God's presence. That's how you learn. I learn to go deep by being with people who are deeper than me. What else do we do? I want to look at this next word. This next word, hallowed, it's not a very common word. We don't walk around saying, hello, honey, hallowed be your name to your wife. That's not normal. So what does it mean? Let's look at the Greek for a moment to dissect it. The word is hagiaizo, hagiaizo. It means this, I make holy, I make holy. I sanctify. How do I make holy something? How do I sanctify? It's to set apart. You're saying, I set apart. How do you set apart the Lord in prayer? Let me give you several thoughts. First, you set apart time. In order to make God's name hallowed in your life, you set apart time. 
I remember years ago going to my pastor, Jimmy, and saying, if, if I wanted to sell out for Jesus, what, what should I do? He said, I would set aside hours to spend with him. That was a very hard challenge for me. But I reflected on that mission trip I took to Mexico. Not only had I been touched by the Spirit, not only had I seen miracles, but they had challenged us to spend an hour a day with the Lord. Up to that point, I couldn't spend more than seven minutes with the Lord. Like, I'd watch my timer. It would drive me crazy. I'm a doer. I'm not a beer. I'm kind of scattered. I like to have my hands in a lot of different things. So sitting for an hour drove me crazy. But what I realized is after a week of doing that, there was a change taking place in my inner man. You set apart time. If I was to look at your time, would I believe that you value your personal relationship with Father God? For years, you would have said, not in your life, Robert. If I was to actually look at your time, would I say, yes, this is a person who values spending time with their Father. If we are on earth for the Lord, shouldn't we give Him our best time? And so I want to tell you, even though it was hard for me, even though everything in me wanted to scream, I said, I will spend that time with God every morning. It became my practice, and it's become my greatest place of joy, my foundation for my whole life to build from, set apart time with Him. This is a great series to be doing this, is learning to set apart time. Number two, set apart a place. Set apart a place. It's really hard to spend time with God if you don't have a designated place. Matthew 6, 6 says this. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. I've met people that try to pray in the craziest places, and I, I, I've done it myself, you know. Okay, I'm just going to pray on my commute to work. And all of a sudden, instead of praying, you're praying for other people to go you know where because you're so ticked at them. That's not good, right? You're, you're trying to pray. You're trying to worship. You're like, oh, you cut me off, you know, and then your mind's going all places. And then, well, I'm just going to pray while I listen to the news, you know, and no, you need a set-apart, designated, holy space. You set apart a space, and, and maybe you don't have one. Maybe you don't have your own room. In college, when I started trying to spend time with God, I didn't have my own room. I shared it. So I found a tree in the middle of campus, and I went and just acted like no one else was there, just sitting under that tree. Who's that guy sitting under the tree talking to himself? Here's why you need a set-apart space. Number one, is because Jesus is saying this, uh, prayer is not about show. It, it, it's about being real with me. Some people, the only time they pray is at church. You know, we come in and all of a sudden they know how to, to make it look like they know how to pray. Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to reward what's done in secret. Go find that secret place. If, if I only talked to my wife in public, I'd have a very superficial relationship. You'd worry about me. Go and build that, that personal communion with God. Find that, find that place. The second thing about having a, a, a private place is you can be real. Right? You, can, you can be real. Go to a place. I, I knew one guy, he couldn't find a place, so his private place became his pillow. And he'd put his pillow over his head and be like, so he could scream into his pillow. Because we need to be able to pour out our hearts before the Lord. So for me, I have several several of my own private places. One in the morning, I sit down at my desk in my little study, and, 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 I, and, I, and I 
start my time with the Lord there, but I often can't stay awake, so I also go out and pace along my fence in my backyard. And then the other place I have is when my kids go to sleep at night and Steph's in bed, I'll walk out into my living room and just have all the lights off and I'll just pace around and there I can just pour out my heart to the Lord. Do you have a set-apart place? You need a set-apart time. Do you have a set-apart place? And lastly, hallowed, set-apart. You set-apart your affections for God. What I mean is this, do you pour out more affection on God than anyone else or anything else in this world? You notice when a man and woman fall in love, that this man will set her apart above anyone else. He'll say, honey, you are the most beautiful in the world. And she'll look at him and she'll say, baby, you are the most wonderful man. You know, and, and, and look, if a husband said, you know, baby, you're almost as pretty as my girlfriend from high school. What would she do? Pap! You know, she'd slug him. Do you set apart your affections and say, Father, you are more beautiful. Father, you are bigger. Father, you are more powerful. Father, you are more lovely. Father, you are more wonderful. You, 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 you set apart your affections. I want him to receive more affection. I'm kind of an intense guy. I, I, I kind of get into sports. It's funny. I coach soccer with three other pastors. And this mom looks at us yesterday and goes, this is so crazy. We have three pastors coaching, and you guys are the most competitive out of everyone on the field. I'm a competitive person. So I don't want to be more into, I don't want to be yelling harder for the Red Flash soccer club, little eighth grade monkeys out there, than I am for Father God. Is there anything that you're worshiping above the Lord, right? You see some car, oh my goodness, I worship you. You know, you, do you do that over a car, over a person, over money, over a sunset? Is there anything that receives more of your affection than the living God? I want to tell you, church, he deserves our highest praise. He deserves our affection. He's the creator. Worship the creator over the created. Let's set apart our affections for him. And then it says, hallowed be your name. Say your name. name. So I start focusing in on his name. Do you know the names of God? Let me read some of them to you. I think they'll encourage you. El Shaddai, he's the Lord God Almighty. El Elyon, the Most High God. Adonai, the Lord Master, Yahweh, Lord Jehovah, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. The names of God speak to his character. The names of God tell of who he is. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Mekodishkem, that's a hard one. The Lord who sanctifies you, El Olam, the everlasting God. Elohim, he's God. Kwana, jealous. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. I speak out the names of God. I declare the names of God. How do I do this? I, 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 I get my Bible, 
And let me just tell you, the, the main reason we read the Bible is to get to know him. I, I don't read my Bible to be a good religious person. I have no need for that. I, I, I don't read my Bible to earn God's love. I've already got that. You've already got that. I, I'm not even reading my Bible just to know what to do next. It's not basic instructions before leaving earth. That's not the point. Although God does teach us through the word, the main purpose for reading the Bible is to get to know him. And so I'll do something like this. I'll turn to to John chapter 1, and I'll read it. I'll say, in the beginning was the word. And that drives me into worship. I'll say, so God, you were in the beginning. You were there in the beginning. I wasn't there in the beginning. You were there in the beginning. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And I'll say, God, you are the word. You're the eternal word. You're the beginning word. You're the final word. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. God, you were the creator. You were the maker. Nothing's been made except through you. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Father, you were life. I just declare that you are life. Nothing else will give me life like you will give me life. And in that life was the light of men. You are the light. Come and shine light in my darkness. Thank you that you're shining light across this world. And that light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Thank you, Lord, that although darkness is not understanding you, although darkness seems to be prevailing upon the earth, the light of God is shining forth. And I praise you, O light of the world. I take the Bible and I turn it into worship. I take what I read and I reflect it back to God. So let me just get really practical to finish our time here. How, how do I have my hallowed be thy name? Last week I talked about our Father, where I'm starting with intimacy. I'm starting by, by trying to connect and receive his heart for me. But then I turn to hallowed be thy name. And that's when it's time for me to have my own personal worship time. For me, I always turn on music, right? People say, well, you don't need music to worship. I want to tell you that music is from God. If you read the Bible, you see that God ordained music in his temple to bring him praise. That David actually set aside the musicians and the singers and the new songs. It says, sing a new song. So there's something about music that's heavenly. In heaven, music is going on. So when we turn on worship music, we're agreeing with heaven and it lifts our spirit. So I turn on music. Do we have a little music that would I be playing in my time with the Lord? So I, I turn on some music. And sometimes it takes a little longer than I want. But I turn on music. All right, I'll do it on my own phone. I I turn on music in my time with the Lord. And I walk around singing. Okay, I'll actually sing the songs. You might say, well, I can't sing. You know what? You don't have to be able to sing. God gave you a voice. It doesn't have to sound pretty. But there's something about, I, I've met parents that say, oh, I love hearing my kids sing. I'm like, have you heard your kids sing? They can't sing at all. But a parent loves to hear their children sing. So I just walk around playing this music. I start singing with it. I'm listening. It's lifting my, my spirit up as I'm walking around. 
I'm agreeing with the song. And I find songs that are stirring my heart. This is a song that's really stirring my heart now. This, this song from heaven. Hallelujah. Can you just turn it up a little to drown out my voice? Love of my soul. So I'm singing, I'm agreeing. Hallelujah. With all of heaven, we are singing. And then I do this. I start declaring who God is. If you look on the back of your bullets, and I'll do this. This is an alphabet of praise. And I'll start saying, God, you are Abba. You are almighty. You are all powerful. Say it with me, church. You're advocates. You're awesome. And then I'll go to B. You're beautiful. You're the bread of life. You're the bright morning star. You're compassionate. You're creator. You're comforter. You're Christ. You're close. You're deliverer. You're defender. You're deliverer. My dwelling place. You know, I, very good. Then the next thing I'll do while I'm making these declarations, I'll, I'll pray out in the spirit. I'll pray out in tongues. And the scripture talks about this being a heavenly language where your spirit's talking to God. If that's something that God's given you, I encourage you to use that in your adoration of the Lord. So you're letting your spirit magnify God. So I'll do that intermittently as I sing, as I declare. Then I'll pray out and worship God in the spirit. And then I'll move to body postures and and. I do these different things that the scripture says. The scripture says, lift holy hands to the Lord. Can you lift your hands with me right now, church? Right? You don't even have to be charismatic to do this. Right? Your team scores a touchdown. You're, you're worshiping, right? That's, you can put them down. But I do this. I, I'll be walking alongside my fence, out by myself, not even in church, mind you, and I'll just put my hands up. Why? Because it's a worship posture. I want my body to agree with the word of God. The Bible says to clap unto the Lord. Can you clap, church? Can you? I start clapping, right? The Bible says this, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Can you shout? I shout out to him. The Bible says dance before the Lord. So I start dancing, right? No, I'm serious. I'll be in my time with the Lord. I pray that no one sees me. And I, did, I go crazy dancing. Right? Why? Because David danced before the Lord with all his heart. You know what? Sometimes I don't feel like it. Actually, many times I don't feel like it, but he's worthy of my praise. And I want to worship him in spirit and in truth. Many times I'm down on my knees, right? Because I want to show that posture of humility. Often I actually lay on my face before the Lord. I'm humbling myself before the Lord. You know what? Often the less I feel like it, the more I do. Because I'm commanding my body to come in line with the Word of God. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And oftentimes my flesh is lying to me. You don't want to worship this morning. He's not worthy this morning. And so I start, I start clapping. I start dancing. I start shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah, why? You can turn off the music. Why do I do this? Because some of you are saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I get it. 
He's worthy. But maybe you're saying, you know, but that's hard. Have you ever found it hard to pray? Hard to worship? Anybody real in the house today? So you're saying, you know, like, hey, what's in it for me? Let me tell you what's in it for you. The Bible says this, draw near to God. You draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. The Bible says this, he inhabits the praise of his people. So you start praising him, and the promise is he comes and inhabits it. The, the, the promise is he sends his presence when we praise him. And you know what scripture says? In his presence is fullness of joy. So actually when I'm at my lowest is when I need to press into worship the most. When things are going the worst is when I need to worship him with all my heart. Because when I worship him, I draw near, he draws near to me. He sends his presence and he puts his fullness of joy in me and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We need to worship church. We need to be a people who bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. And he promises as we do that, he comes. Would you stand up? Band, come on out. Let's just do this. Let's just start worshiping the Lord. I want you to practice with me, church. I want you to either raise your hands. I want you to start clapping. I want you to start shouting. I want you to bring a sacrifice of praise. You speak out his name. You glorify him right now. Stretch out your spirit. Press in. Let's be a biblical church right now. Let's worship him. Let's give him the praise he deserves. For you are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You're the great I am. You're the righteous one. You sit on the throne, ruling and reigning in heaven. We declare that you are good. You are great. You deserve the praise of your people. And we desire to give you what you deserve today, Lord Jesus. Let's just sing this song together. Let's just lift up our voices. Would you just picture Father on the throne right now? Father in heaven. And would you bind every distraction from your mind and pour out your affection on him? Just lead us now, Stephen.